Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. It's 3.08 here. Um, pretty warm outside. It was in the 80s. You, know, you get that hazy sun. I believe most of Pennsylvania is in the orange, but there are some spots, and I believe our area is in that red air quality. Uh, 83 degrees here and hazy in Pittston at the studio. It's 4th of July weekend this Friday, June 30th, 2023. Happy 4th of July weekend. They say that the the nation as a whole is less patriotic now than it's probably ever been. And I, and, I, and I find that sad if it is even remotely true. I don't think it is. I think it's just what they want to put out there, what they want to promote, the narrative they want out there, that that people are less patriotic and, and this and that and the other thing. I don't think they are, uh, at least not in my circles, and I'm sure not in a lot of your circles. There's going to be a lot to discuss today. I'm sure a lot of it, you know, Shouldn't be too controversial for for my audience, but some some of you, you know, are, are pretty upset with uh, with uh, what's going on today, as far as the Supreme Court decisions, and and I think when, and we're going to get into this later in the show, but I I think when you look at the nuts and bolts of of what's what it's about and what's there and what the true not the narrative spin you're getting from people who have a certain agenda, the actual facts of these cases, uh, you know. You know, pure First Amendment cases, you know, pure responsibility, contractual responsibility cases and standing and, and such like that. But I think when you when you get in and you start to hear the nuts and bolts on the cases and who would benefit from certain cases if they did go through, I, I think it may open your eyes a little bit. And uh, and we're going to get into that later. But there's a, there's a bunch of anniversaries today on this. Uh, for, and first of all, with Fourth of July weekend, first and foremost, your safety is paramount. Your family's safety is paramount. Drive carefully if you're traveling. This is going to be one of the most traveled holidays of the year. They said you know they're expecting record travel numbers uh, this weekend. So be careful driving. Uh, leave fireworks to the professionals, please. You know I'm I'm not a fan of of home you know do it yourself fireworks. I never have been. It's really I've something I've stayed away from. Never really interests me. You know I love the the professional fireworks displays, but leave it to the professionals because. Uh, that's specifically their jobs. You don't need to harm yourself, your family, or anyone around you dealing with that. And don't drink and drive. If you're planning to have a good time, get a designated driver, get a family member. You know, if you have a child that's able to drive, that's under the age to drink, you know, by all means, you know, allow them. I know sometimes, you know, that might be hard to turn the keys over to them. Um, but it's better than showing them that it's okay for you to drink and drive because when they are driving and when they get to the age that they're drinking, They'll say, hey, well, my dad, my mom did it. I can do it, too, because they got away with it so I could get away with it. So don't don't, don't show them that model. That's not a role model you want to show them. And, uh, you know, just be safe. That's the whole key to this weekend. So first and foremost, I want to stress that w- with the safety of that. Now, one of the two big anniversaries I want to get to today is today is the 10-year anniversary of the Granite Mountain Hotshots death out in uh, Prescott, Arizona. On this day 10 years ago, the fire service lost 19 incredible men. In 2013, the Yarnell Hill Fire ignited, bringing tragedy to the fire service. The Granite Mountain hotshots were attacking the fire and protecting the citizens of Prescott, Arizona, while they were unexpectedly overrun by fire, losing their lives in an instant. And there's a great movie that depicted you know, their situation and their story. I happen to be very good friends with a state representative who who um, represents Prescott, Arizona. Actually, he's been a guest on this show. 
Um, so uh, I haven't been out there yet, but he has invited me out to their memorial, which is that tree that they saved uh, during an earlier fire that was, you know, just pre- pre- predicated the, the fire that caused their death. But, uh, you know, they were overtaken by fire when their escape route was cut off. And the last transmission that they made was that their escape route was cut off. And uh, the fire services are continuing to learn lessons from that. And they shall never be forgotten. And, and the, the 19 incredible men that were, were lost that day were Andrew Ashcroft, 29 years of age. Robert Caldwell, 23 years of age. Travis Car- Carter, 31 years of age. Dustin DeFord, 24 years of age. Christopher McKenzie, 30 years of age. Eric Marsh, which was their commissioner and leader, 43 years of age. Grant McKee, 21. Sean Minster, 26. Scott Norris, 28. Wade Parker, 22. John Person, 24. Anthony Rose, 23. Jesse Steed, 36. Joe Thurston, 32. Travis Turbifil, 27. William Wernicke, 25. Clayton Witted, 28. Kevin Wojcik, 21. And Garrett Zupiger, 27. And those were the 19 men that were lost that day from the Granite Mountain Hotshots out in Prescott, Arizona, protecting their community. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, with, we're it's kind of applicable now with the the haze and the smoke we're dealing with from the fires up in Canada. There are hot shots on the scene, both American hot shots and Canadian hot shots up there, protecting populated areas that are at risk from those fires. But they have no choice but to let the wooded areas where there is no threat to human life or infrastructure burn, and that's why we're getting this haze that we're getting. And uh, this haze is going to last all the way until they start to get a snow cover in Canada. That's the only thing that will be able to be put the fires out in Canada. So we're going to be dealing with this haze every time the jet stream dictates that, you know, for the foreseeable future, it, 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 at least the next two to three months. Hopefully, you know, September, they start to get an early snowfall up there. It is northern Canada, so it is very possible. It is normal for up there to get the snowfall starting in September. And, uh, you know, it gives us a break on on this air because I'm feeling it. You know, if you hear me a little winded every now and then, it's, it, it's definitely uh, taking a toll on me. I'm having to change out my CPAP uh, filters more readily because they are getting clogged up in this, in this, uh, this junk that's in the air. And that, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's the fuel that's been up there. The, the only good thing to that, and it was noted in a text message yesterday is um, that this is burning the fuel for future fires. So in the, in the near future, the foreseeable future, the next five, eight, 10 years, uh, we will not have something like this again because this is burning off a lot of the excess fuel that's up there, and, and it, it will take time for that undergrowth. Hopefully, Canada's forestry services come up with a plan to uh, mitigate situations like they have now to to timber and log those those areas regularly so this amount of fuel is not up there. But this 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 burn that's up there now will limit that fuel for at least the next 8 to 10 years, I'm assuming. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for us. It's a good thing for them. And hopefully, you know, if, if we deal with the tragedy that we're dealing with now and this, this inconvenience of this, this horrible air we're dealing with, it will uh, it'll benefit us in, in the near future. 
be it the next five, eight, ten years. The other big anniversary starting this weekend is the 160th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg. And if you're going to be anywhere near the Gettysburg National Military Park, they are having a huge weekend with walking tours, talks, reenactments. I know they do a lot of that regularly, but with the 160th anniversary this weekend, they are doing a lot more. It's going to be a big celebration down there. So if you want to take a day trip down there, if you're looking to do something, if you're in the area or just want to drive down, you know, what is it, two hours, two hours and 15 minutes from us, maybe two and a half hours, it's definitely worth the trip. I, I love going to uh, Gettysburg, walking, you know, the fields down there. They definitely, you know, tell you that you can hear the whispers of the battlefield when you're down there. You know, I don't think I've ever heard that, but it's a very solemn place to be. And uh, the Battle of Gettysburg was a significant turning point in the American Civil War, fought from July 1st to July 3rd, 1863. Of course, near the town of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, here's some key things that happened. Again, July 1st through July 3rd. Uh, the commanders there were uh, Major General George G. Meade, led the Union Army of the Potomac, while General Robert E. Lee commanded the Confederate Army of Northern Virginia. Now, this I, I didn't know. The casualties from the Battle of Gettysburg, the, the battle resulted in a large number of casualties. The Union suffered around 23,000 casualties, killed, wounded, or missing and captured. While the Confederacy suffered approximately 28,000 casualties. That's just an incredible number of casualties at this one battle, the Battle of Gettysburg, over three days. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I knew it was a very bloody battle. I knew it was a very intense battle. I knew there were a lot of casualties, but I did not know that there were over 50,000 casualties, you know, with both sides. Pickett's Charge is one of the, the main battles that happened there, one of the most famous moments of the battle. Uh, which took place on July 3rd. Confederate General George Pickett led a massive assault against the center of the Union line, but was uh, repulsed with heavy losses. Um, And again, this all basically resulted in the Gettysburg Address following the battle in November 19th of 1963 from President Abraham Lincoln, delivering the address during the dedication of the Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg. Address, the address remains one of uh, Abraham Lincoln's most renowned speeches in American history. Now, looking into this, I did not know that, that Abraham Lincoln wrote five different versions of the Gettysburg Address. And again, it starts off with the four scores and seven years ago. Our forefathers brought forth to this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedication to the proposition that will, all men were created equal. There were five versions of that. He wrote handwritten, obviously there was no photocopy machines or no copy machines back then, but he he hand-wrote each version, hand-delivered them to three different ones to his generals, and there were two after the fact that he submitted to the press. Um, And one is considered the one that he used and read that day. Um, There are little differences between the five different versions of the Gettysburg Address. And and if you look up the Gettysburg Address, different versions, you can see and and read them for yourselves. Uh, I didn't know that there were five different versions. I didn't know that that there was a difference. And there are minor differences. I read through them today. But, you know, those are the two big uh, things today. I wanted to start off with something patriotic, something nice. You know, heroes out in Prescott, Arizona, that put everything on the line and, and literally did put everything on the line. 
on a, a, a physical line, a fire line, to protect their fellow men and women of Prescott, Arizona. And the Gettysburg, the 160th anniversary of Gettysburg, which was the turning point of the war, you know, here fought right in our backyard in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It's 3.20 here at WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after this. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 324 here at the station, 83 degrees and hazy outside. It's time for Rob's Rundown on this Friday, June 30th, 2023. Things that are happening in our atmosphere and around us, we probably won't get into them in depth during the show, but since they're happening, we should be aware of them. And I list them off for you. It uh, looks like there's a code red for our specific area, but the the, the extent of uh, Pennsylvania is under a code orange for air quality concerns. Guilty plea in a multi-state burglary art theft ring. Scranton man charged with unlawful restraint of an old forged woman and son. Toby Hanna has had a change of command and has two new leaders. A body hidden in the Scranton apartment. The tenant is charged. Farmer's market season begins in Wilkesbury. Get out there and get your fresh fruits and vegetables. It's always a great asset to our area. The Luzerne County 2022 audit is in on time with a day to spare. Pittston area approves a budget maintaining its tax rate. The Pennsylvania budget is elusive as the deadline nears. I can't seem to agree uh, on what's going on. And it seems to be the Democrats giving uh, Governor Shapiro a harder time than the Republicans. And fentanyl guns seized from a Luzerne County home. And that's it for this Friday, June 30th, 2023 on Rob's Rundown. Um, you can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Let me know what you're doing, what your plans are this weekend, what you're going to do, what you want to do, and anything that's going going on in the show that we're discussing. And, and, you know, it's just the start, so we really haven't gotten into anything yet. But, uh, you know, I want to hear what you guys are doing. You guys are part of uh, um, part of this show, and, and I, I want to make you part of the show as much as possible because it's just as much your show as it is mine. Um you know, I saw this again, and I had to look to see if this was an actual repeat from a st- story I did a couple weeks ago about people being banned from the casinos for leaving children in the car, cars. And, and unfortunately, it's not. This is a new, new issue. Seven people have been banned from state casinos for leaving children unattended in their cars. Um, the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board banned a, male, uh, banned a male patron from the Mohegan Sun, Pennsylvania Casino in Plains Township for leaving a six-year-old child unattended in the parking lot for 28 minutes. A six-year-old child for 28 minutes while he gambled in the sports book. Uh, he was one of seven adults, like I said, that have been banned from casinos uh, non-voluntarily, which is a, a good thing. I hope also they're, they're criminally charged. But... Listen to these numbers. You know, we've been talking a lot with the children and youth in Lackawanna County and Luzerne County's had their own issues. But leaving minors unattended at a Pennsylvania casino subjects the offending adult to criminal prosecution, hopefully, in addition to exclusion from all Pennsylvania casinos. You know, that should be a national band, not just Pennsylvania casinos. But I don't even know if they can do that. But that would be a good idea. Since the start of 2022 through May of 2023, the board identified 370 incidents of adults leaving children unattended to gamble at Pennsylvania casinos involving 
196 minors. I'm going to say that again. This is the Gaming Control Board. I have identified 370 incidents involving 596 minors, leaving them in cars so their parents or guardians can gamble in the in the casinos. That is disgraceful. Hopefully, local law enforcement, state law enforcement are prosecuting these individuals uh, for these incidents. And this is, I believe, a lifetime ban that they receive, the, parent, the parents or guardians. Uh, in addition to this, and, and I think that's the most egregious thing, the other things are secondary by, by far, but the board leveled uh, a $48,000 fine against two casinos for violations that occurred with casino and fantasy sports uh, uh, licenses. Chester Downs and uh, Marina LLC operate the Harris Philadelphia Casino and Racetrack. We're fined 35000 for allowing individuals under the age of 21 to access the gaming floor and gamble. And Sports Hub uh, PALC, a licensed fantasy contest operator, was fined $13,000 for a change of control of its license without the board's approval. But the most egregious in that is since January of 2022 through May of 2023, so not, not a, just under a year and a half, the board identified 370 incidents involving 596 minors. That's disgraceful. That's disgraceful. And, and if you're, you spend time at the casinos, I, 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 I enjoy going to the casinos. I don't go often. The Mohegan Sun Casino is the only casino here that I've been to in uh, Pennsylvania, and I've only been to it, I count on one hand, the amount of times I've been there. I enjoy it. I like it. I have nothing against it. I just, something, it's not something I do often. Um, you know, if it comes up, I'll go and do it. If it's, you know, something, like I said, it's, it's not something on my list, but, uh, you know, I enjoy some of the events they have there. I, I do go there and gamble a little bit, but it's not like a pastime for me. Uh, nor should it really be, I guess, for anyone. Uh, but if you do enjoy going to the casinos and you see something like this, again, please see something, say something, go inside, get the first employee you see and say, hey, there's, some, there's kids sitting in a car outside. There's, there's, there's somebody sitting in a car. They don't look like they're old enough to be alone. Uh, bring their attention to it because these are the ones that have been caught. Now, these casinos have excellent uh, surveillance systems, so I, I'm hoping that a lot don't slip through the cracks that are unreported. But, again, if you see something, say something with these kids, it seems to be a huge problem in Pennsylvania almost 600 kids being left in their cars while their parents uh, selfishly go worry about their gambling habit or whatever they do. It's 331 here at WILK News Radio. It's time for the news with Paul Michael. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell show on this Friday, June 30th, 4th of July weekend 2023 on WILK News Radio. It's 337 83 degrees with that haze outside and again if you're uh, you have respiratory issues or you're sensitive to bad air uh, Try to avoid some strenuous outdoor, outdoor activity. It's okay going in and out. Keep you recirculate uh, on in your car AC. And uh, whatever else you need to do to, to uh, limit your exposure to this, this stuff that we're going to be dealing with for at least the next couple of months. Uh, a lot of Supreme Court decisions yesterday and today. We're going to get into today's decisions a little bit later in the show. Actually, we're going to start hitting that about the 4 o'clock hour in the show. But uh, this is more about yesterday's affirmative action um, decisions that came down. Uh, that that a lot of people say right it or wrong that you know more discrimination is not the answer to fight discrimination and that's exactly what affirmative action was but the the Supreme Court decision 
Uh, per this article in the Times Tribune by uh, Michael P. Buffer and Christine Lee, staff writers for the Times Tribune, uh, interviewed some local colleges, and they say it's it's not expected to affect admissions in NEPA colleges. And the the reason I'm bringing it up is some of the some of the reasonings given by some of the universities in our area were pretty surprising to me. You know, some of the comments that were made by leaders of these uh, universities in our area, right here in NEPA, our backyard where a lot of uh, the listeners here probably attended or kids attended and such, surprised me, to say the least. So, you know, it's one of the reasons I wanted to dive into this. And again, it, it's it's applicable to our backyard here in northeast Pennsylvania. But um, area colleges stress that the importance of diversity on their campuses uh, in the wake of Thursday's U.S. Supreme Court decision on affirmative action, calling the ruling deeply disappointing, University of Scranton President Reverend Joseph G., Marina S.J., said having a diverse campus aligns with the university's values. Now, that's fine. That's, you know, diversity is good. No one's saying it's not. But diversity at the sake of discriminating against others is wrong, regardless of what their race, religion, uh, income status, or anything is. Uh, But University of Scranton President Reverend Joseph G. Mara goes on to say, our commitment to diversity is an inseparable part of our mission and identity, he said in a message to the campus community. As a university, we strive to provide a learning environment that harnesses the unique background and experiences of all students and creates opportunities for them to learn from and with each other. Marina said the university will do all that we can within the law to remain an accessible choice for aspiring leaders and to provide a transformational education that fosters in our students a commitment to social justice and the common good and a deep appreciation for all that makes us human, especially our diversity. So that's coming from the University of Scranton, President Reverend Joseph G. Marina, and other colleges in the area, you know, basically said it won't affect their admission processes, you know, either. Race is not taken into consideration during our admission process, and we are still free to continue our mission of encouraging qualified students from all different backgrounds, perspectives, and life experience to pursue their higher education goals with us. William Scads, public relations and college communications manager at King College said, and that's what college should be. Yes, it should be open to everyone should have an equal opportunity to apply for those universities, to apply for positions in those universities. It's when you're giving preferential treatment to people because of their demographics in place of people who are more qualified. And I, why is this an issue? It should be a no-brainer. You do not discriminate against some people to benefit others. That's the way it should be. And, uh, you know, that's the way the law now stands, the law of the land. They have decision. Um, The decision is also not affect Misericordia University, said Sam Jarvis, marketing and public relations director. Uh, while While I have not had time to study the decision in full, my understanding from the analysis that I have read is the ruling is uh, confined to utilizing race as a deciding factor for the admissions decision or making admissions decisions which, in the aggregate, are made with the intent of achieving a specific racial composition of a given class. 
Jarvis said in an email. Ms. Recorder does neither of these two things. When making individual admissions decisions, we focus on admitting students based on their academic qualifications in line with our admission policies. Ms. Recordia has a strong commitment to increasing the diversity of our campus. But we find the best accomplished by offering high-quality academic programs, co-curricular opportunities that attract students from all backgrounds, and making significant efforts to recruit, attract, and enroll students from a diverse background to those programs. I applaud Ms. Recordia for that answer. That's the way colleges should be. Equal opportunity to all, not equal results to all. It's uh, 342 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 346. Um, You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Get involved in the conversation. Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Jack from Scranton on colleges. Jack. Yeah, I want to talk about equality in, in college. I had a son that went to college. He went to Penn State and went to the University of Scranton first. He told me when uh, on, a, on the point system, if, if you're a, uh, of color, you get more points just because of your color. Did you know that? Well, that, that's part of the affirmative action uh, issue that, that was just overturned by the Supreme Court, that colleges yeah. and universities were doing that. Uh, Harvard specifically named in this suit what was doing that, where um, if, you, if you were a black American in the 40th percentile, you were given preference over an Asian American who was in the 100th percentile. And not only that, a couple of years ago, remember when they got rid of a bunch of white patrol officers in Detroit and they put a bunch of black and Hispanic on there to make it even and that's kind of stupid, too. Who's ever the best guy should get the job. doesn't matter about the color. And that's the way, that's the way life and everything should be. You know, everyone's supposed to have the equal opportunity to do so. I mean, I read it yesterday. Martin Luther King Jr. himself said, you know, he wants people judged by their character and their quality, not the color of their skin. I mean, that's exactly what the Supreme Court gave yesterday. Yeah, like me, I'm a house painter, and I wouldn't have a guy... I wouldn't have a guy that doesn't have any experience up on a ladder and have the other guy that has all the experience painting the cellar windows. You know what I mean? I have it vice versa. And uh, not only that, the guy who had the more experience will get more money. That's the way it should be. Yeah, I, I agree, Jack. You know what I, mean? I, I agree. And it looks common, like common uh, sense. You know, common sense. Th- there'll still be diversity. There'll still be ways to, 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 to get around what they universities already said that they're going to use whole, whole candidate pers- persons, do away with scores like SATs. They've already started that. So it's going to be interesting to see you know how this modifies. But this, this decision does give students recourse if they feel they're being discriminated against, even if you're an Asian student, even if you're a white student, you know, it gives you resource to bring that case to, to a court. That's like reverse discrimination. That's what that is. Well, that's exactly what affirmative action was, reverse discrimination. Yeah. yeah. Jack, uh-huh. I appreciate your call. All right. Okay, bye. Thank All you. Right. Um, I got a minute and a half here. Uh, you probably didn't hear this, or maybe you did, but I, you know, I, I had to look for it, and it came across it when I saw it. But Hunter Biden settled his child support case in Arkansas yesterday. And uh, – what he has to give his daughter was kind of ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. He has to give his daughter multiple paintings. Uh, this was a settlement yesterday, Thursday, in, with his, uh, the, the child's mother who he had the child with, uh, London Roberts, the mother of the daughter. And uh, he's been ordered to pay, uh, reimburse her for health care costs and such for the child and have to give mul- the child multiple paintings and the proceeds from any sales of his paintings will be wired to an account designated by Roberts. 
among other provisions to the settlement. Now, we all heard that uh, that uh, Hunter Biden was selling these patent paintings and was getting an extraordinary amount of money for them, having no art background or whatsoever. But it's going to be interesting uh, now how eager he is to push these paintings and sell that the money and the, the resources from that will be going to uh, to support his child. So that would be interesting to follow. But it kind of fell under the radar yesterday. It's uh, Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. It's time for the Bloom. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 3.54 here at the station. Um, we've been talking about the Lackawanna County Office of Youth and Family Services for, for a few days now. And we know five members, including two supervisors, have been arrested Um and face felony counts on endangering the welfare of children, failure to port, report or refer um, cases that they've been dealing with. And, and we've been talking about that back and forth. But it appears that um, the commissioners, back on June 7th, hired a company. Service Access and Management Incorporated will provide 10 caseworkers and two supervisors under a one-year, $971,600 contract approved June 7th. So this was approved before all this happened to address address staffing concerns. The state will reimburse 80% of the cost of that. Uh, There were about 40 open positions prior to these arrests. I assume now there's 45 open positions there. Uh, But this 10 case workers and two supervisors... For a one-year contract, they will work from July through June 2024 and will handle the back end of cases. They will not be field workers. They will not be going out. They'll be handling basically in-work stuff, uh, adoption stuff, placement stuff, uh, office work, not not out-in-the-field footwork from what I'm gathering from what I read. But if you think about it, this was June 7th, so this was you know almost a month ago, the beginning of this month. That they, they saw this coming, they hired these caseworkers, these supervisors to handle this, to, to limit the burden. Then there was 40 openings, now I assume there's 45. But that $971,600 contract for the year, that comes to a little over $80,000 per employee. Now, if that's the case, if we can pay an outside contractor, and I understand it says here 80% will be cost reimbursed by the state. I don't know how that is or how that works. Would they reimburse regular full-time workers, or is this just because they're provisional? I don't know, but they're paying $80,000 an employee if you break down the $961,600 between 10 caseworkers and two supervisors. That comes to $80,000 an employee. Well, how come we're starting our employees that we want to hire to do a good job here at $37,000? Why aren't we paying and getting and attracting people at $50,000 to start this job and do this work? And maybe that would attract, maybe you wouldn't have 40 position vacancies. If that's said and done. So that's that's at the start. And again, the commissioners approved this contract, which ran from July through June 2024. The contract comes after the State Department of Human Services downgraded in mid-May the county's agency licensee from full to provisional for a six-month period. So they may be getting state funds because they have provisional licensing to help them fix this problem. Uh, Citing dozens of violations listed in the inspection report made public last week. So... I know you have the head of this agency, this this Department of Human Services Director William Browning, blasting the Scranton police and the Lackawanna County District Attorney's Office 
um, for questionable, uh, ethically challenged investigations. But the state itself had found multiple violations listed in the inspection report, which caused their downgrading. So obviously there's there there. And the entire involvement with the county solicitor, I'm still trying to figure out that. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more on that yesterday. I reached out to some state senators uh, because he was before a state Senate hearing yesterday on something totally different, and this subject did not even come up. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see there, but uh, in a document submitted to state officials, the county Department of Health and Human Services, William Browning, again, he's the head of this agency, blasted Scranton police for conducting ethically challenged and legally questionable investigations. He said accelerated retirements and resignations and hampered efforts to fill vacancies. I'm sorry, Mr. Browning, but the criminal, alleged criminal behavior that probable cause was determined that caused the arrest of these people are not the reason you can't attract and and, and keep good candidates. Low pay is, again, this agency, the county has no problem paying a million dollars to this outside agency for 12 employees to fill gaps to do basically administrative work inside. That does take the the load off the people that need to go out and do the field work. I get that. But we need proactivity here. And and with statements coming and people making, I haven't seen a legitimate proactive statement yet in regards to this. And there needs to be because, again, there's still thousands of cases out there of children who are alleged to be neglected that are falling through the cracks as we speak. And uh, this doesn't need to be a political issue. This doesn't need to be a partisan issue. This needs to be a child safety issue first. Do your jobs. It's as simple as that. It truly is. And I'm actually, um, you know, I saw some 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 comments from uh, – the Gahan McGloin administration, which was actually probably the, one of the better comments I've heard in this. So I'll give credit where credit's due, and there was. It's Rob O'Donnell here at WILK News Radio. We'll be back.